What's up? I'm Tyler. And I'm Dakota. And this is the Bourbon and Business Podcast. Where we interview successful businessmen and women to let you in on why success doesn't have a single formula to follow. We also have a little bourbon tasting along the way, because why not? Why not? Why not? So guys, please enjoy this episode and let us know your thoughts at Bourbon and Business Podcast on Instagram. Coming to you from the Bourbon and Business Studio here in the Capitol Club in downtown Jackson, Mississippi. I'm Tyler. And I'm Dakota. And this is the Bourbon and Business Podcast. Well, how are you doing this morning, Dakota? Terrific, Tyler. I get to see your beautiful face. Yeah, well, that's always a blessing. So, tell us a little bit about this view that we got going on here today. This is the view of the Capitol Club in downtown Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> it is fantastic, unbeatable. We've got a great view of the Jackson skyline. They have events here. They've got event spaces here. They've got daily lunch here. They've got membership pricing here. They've got it all. And they actually got an event going on right now as we speak, yeah. at, right outside the room here. So, and it's it packed, looks, too. And it looks phenomenal, yeah. too. The, the decorations. I mean, this place is one of the top venues, if not the top venue in Jackson, Mississippi. I, I might just walk around when we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yes. hey, yeah, go sit down at a table and eat a little food, yeah. have a drink. So. There you go. But, yeah, uh, to all our listeners, go check out the Capital Club. Go online, uh, give them a quick Google search, and look at all the uh, options that they have with their membership. And they do lunch here daily as well, so phenomenal atmosphere. Will you want to introduce our guest to us this morning? I do. I always one. ask you that. What if you say no one morning? I so. thought about it. I thought about it. Keep you on your toes a little bit, make you sit, pronounce a name. Uh, I mean, I'm one. doing good if I even know the name when we get into the interview. So. <laughs> anyway, we have special guests this morning, uh, Johnny Davidson, Business Development Manager and Commercial Lender at Priority One Bank. Um, but he has a past as well that we're going to talk about uh, with some business ownerships and sales and all kinds of good stuff. So, John, it's a pleasure to have you today. He's what we call a good past. <laughs> Dakota said that like he's got a past. <laughs> well, you got to keep people on their toes, man. you got to keep them wanting more. Well, first of all, I'm just glad to be here with you guys. Uh, back last summer, uh, several friends of mine asked me if I'd ever heard y'all and uh, mentioned to me that I might be a good guest on your show. So that's yet to be determined. We'll see how this goes. I've never done anything like this before. We'll poll um, them after the episode airs. Yeah. Um, so fortunately, Dakota and I have a mutual friend that introduced us to one another over a late afternoon cocktail. Fast forward a few months, and here I am sitting with you guys uh, in this beautiful venue, sipping bourbon and overlooking our capital city. And I'm just right. glad to be here. You can't beat that. Yeah. Yes. So, well, also, Dakota, since you're the man of introductions, why don't you introduce our bourbon to us? I am. I am the man of Master introductions. Master of ceremonies. Master. There we go. I like it. All right. So today we have Penelope, Barrel Strength. This was a gift from us from the one and only Cheers Vineyard in Gluckstadt, Mississippi. And the one and only John Thomas, who's at Cheers, uh, gave me a little bit of backstory about this bourbon particular. in particular. Uh, Penelope was named after the creator of this bourbon's daughter. So I can't imagine he's going to uh, name something after his daughter that was not absolutely fantastic and that he wasn't really proud of. Um, this is 112 proof, so it's uh, it's got a kick to it. Yeah. But what's your opinion? I mean, it's really good, uh, especially at 112 proof. Um, I'm going to give it a, a 9.2. 9.2. Really good, really good bourbon. All right. Penelope Barrel Strength, 9.2. Well, Johnny, we appreciate you coming on this morning. We'd like to always start this off. We're from Mississippi, so everybody wants to know where you're from, where you grew up. 
And then how you Who's got mom and them? how you got into the business that you're in. I know that one thing we're going to touch on is you had a monument business before you took the role at the bank that you're at now. So tell us a little bit about where you grew up and all that, and then how you got into the monument business. Sure. Um, I'll try to fit my life into about 30 minutes for you guys. Um, <laughs> so I grew up in Canton, a.k.a. the City of Lights, uh, a few exits north of here. Um, I, I attended Canton Academy all 12 years. Junior high and high school was a great time. I had a wonderful family, lots of friends, and not many worries. Um, after high school, I left for Ole Miss, ultimately graduated with a banking and finance degree from the business school in 1997. There I met my lovely bride. Uh, her name is Donna, like Renee, but Donna. Uh, and we are about to celebrate our 24th anniversary later this month. Congratulations. Thank you. We have three kids that all attend Jackson Prep. Uh, my oldest is a girl named Delta. She's a senior and will be attending Ole Miss next year. My middle child, her sister, is Knox. She's a 10th grader. And my big guy is an 8th grader, and he goes by IV. He's the 4th, Roman numeral 4. Uh, so a little bit about my past. So during the, during the spring semester of my senior year in college, I traveled to several states around the southeast um, interviewing for jobs in the banking industry. I was fortunate and had several offers, but ultimately chose a big bank called Compass Bank in Alabama. And uh, I think it's now called BBVA. They were bought out. Um, and I worked there for exactly 365 days. <laughs> nice. I was somewhat bored and really thought that I could just do more in this great big world. Uh, so backtrack a little bit. My family has always been in the monument industry, uh, that's cemetery monuments. So my grandparents had started a business in 1937, and I grew up listening and learning and uh, honestly laboring, installing monuments. As I got older, uh, of course, started selling them there for my dad's business in Canton um, back in junior high and high school. So towards the end of my first year in banking, I called up my dad and said, you know, I'm considering coming back there and working with you again, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. And um, he was really excited, and uh, I really think it rejuvenated his spirit. Um, and we worked great side by side for several years. Um, I was vice president at his business, and my main duties were selling and all of the financial responsibilities that that business entailed, of course. Um, he was great to learn from. And uh, it was just really a great time to be there involved with him every day. Um, but as with human nature, uh, some people, including myself, wanted to see what I could do on my own. And so my wife and I decided to start our own business in the same industry. And uh, we didn't want to get too far from Kent because even though we were starting on our own, I was still going to be responsible for all of the financial duties in my dad's company still. So we didn't want to get too far away. So we just we decided to put our first location and set our headquarters because we knew we were going to grow and, and started in Carthage, Mississippi. Um, like I said, I still did the financial work in Canton for my dad's company. So at this point, this was the early 2000s, um, there was a lot of competition in our industry in Mississippi. Um, we started and opened, and I really, really had to grind. Um, if you're familiar with towns in, in Mississippi, Carthage is right in the middle of Kosciuszko, Forest, 
Louisville, Union, Philadelphia, and I had competition in all of those towns. Um, Carthage ended up being a great decision, though. Oh, and, and also backtrack. One of my competitors even decided to open up a place in Carthage when he could see that I was about to open one up. Naturally, so, yeah. so it was really tough. And, and what specific in the monument industry were you doing? So the monument business, um, basically a brick-and-mortar building, uh-huh. and then you have most monument businesses have between 50 and 150 monuments outside, right. and customers come in, choose one, and... Of course, everything it can be. It's, it's a custom order. Right. It's probably the most custom order that there is. Has your name on it. Right. Um, and then of course the whole goes through the whole process, gets uh, finished, and then we install it in the cemetery. Okay. So it's a retail business, but there's a lot to it. Right. Um, the, the process takes a while. Right. So Carthage was a great decision uh, and a great place to be. One. There's a ton of cemeteries there. There's one on every road. So there's a lot of business to be had. I could tell as we started that I was starting to win battles. Every monument order is a battle. And I could see after a couple of years that I was really going to win the war. Because you could see who's getting the, the... It's not like most industries. You see who gets the, the sale. I mean, it literally, the product gets put in the cemetery. You either win it or you lose it. Right. Every monument order is a battle. And think of it like this. So you go to a store and you buy milk many times. You um, have multiple vehicles through your life. You even typically have multiple homes. However, a monument order, you get one. Right. So, I mean, every monument order, it's an honor to get every order. Um, And it's tough. It's a battle. Uh, So after about two years, I knew I was winning the battle. And fortunately, my biggest competitor... He bowed out and sold to uh, a new guy in Tupelo, Mississippi. That guy lasted about a year, sold to another man in Tupelo. That guy lasted about a year, and ultimately it went bankrupt. So at this point, I was really sitting pretty. I only had one location at the time, but a lot of my my biggest competitor was gone. So I concentrated on building my accounts, becoming stronger financially, having a great liquidity position. And I knew this would help because for a rainy day, and it would prove to be true because that same company that went out of business would again be bought out by somebody in the future, and I'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, in the meantime, I had a small competitor open a business in Kosciuszko, and uh, when he got it up and going well, my first acquisition opportunity arrived. I took advantage of it. I bought him out, and with that acquisition, it came with a couple of funeral homes that sold for him, and it came with the lady in DeKalb that had been selling monuments for 30 years. Wow. And um, so at this point, my business is really growing. I'm getting sales in areas that I never had before, getting stronger every day, and then boom, then I hear that the big company that had gone out of business was being rebought out. So at this point, it's all back to square one again. However, I did have two companies at this point to compete with him. Um, his main place was in Kosciuszko. So my first, I guess act of war to compete was I bought a piece of property on the west side of Kosciuszko, um, which was going to be my second location in that town, my third overall, and his location was in the middle. So anybody shopping for a monument in that great town was going to have to pass one of mine to even get to him. There you go. So it really made it hard on him, and we Tactics. battled. That's right. We, we battled for many, many years, and then out of the blue, uh, he called me to see if I was interested in buying him. And uh, so that was a great day. I remember where I was. 
the date, and I knew I had him. And um, so, anyways, I told him I was interested. It took about a year of haggling, but ultimately worked out in my favor. And so now, I'm really the only dealer selling my product in all of these counties. And keep in mind, this is probably 10 years in, okay? So several years have gone by. Also, about this time, I meet uh, Barry Winford with Priority One Bank through my Sunday school class, or I, we call them small groups at my church, Pine Lake. So I get to know him for several, several years. And uh, I mention this because at this point, uh, there's a big company in Meridian called J.H. O'Neill Monument Company, and it's the oldest business in Meridian. Um, Oh, have you ever heard of Wideman's Restaurant? Yeah. yeah. All right, so it was started in 1870. J.H. O'Neill started in 1869. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so really interesting. So, yeah. so I bought, ended up approaching that owner, uh, asked Barry if he was interested in the loan to see, and Priority One was, and uh, the transaction went very well. Ended up using Priority One as well for a big commercial building uh, as a warehouse to use. And... Um, was I'm getting close to the end, I promise. Uh, but I no, say all, a lot of good information. Yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of giving you the 20 years yeah. of history here yeah. in five minutes. But uh, but I say all this because as more and more time goes by, um, I'm now starting to hear and have conversations with people in my industry from other states that are interested in buying me out. And I never even thought of that before. I was really proud. My business was good. There's good and bad though. It was going to kill me. I was having to start my days really at 4, 4.35 at the latest in the morning, still taking work home. My wife will tell you I'd be working at 10 at midnight. I mean, it was really, really long, hard days. So I had a price in my head that I was willing to take. And um, and so in 2022, I was fortunate, and uh, that all worked out, and I sold my company in 2022. And so I mentioned Barry Winford at Party One earlier. During the process of the sale of my company, um, we were talking about what I would do next, and that's kind of how I've come back to my roots in banking. And um, so I have a really different perspective than most bankers. Um, I've been on the other side of the coin for many, many years, and I really do think like a businessman first and a banker second. So that's kind of my monument story. Yeah, no, that, that's a great story, though. Um, a, lot of, a lot of history there packed into a, a short amount of time. Um, and your dad was still in the stone or in the monument business yes, at the my same dad. time. So right? yes, when I left um, and started my own business, fortunately enough, my younger brother, who's five years younger, came in right after me and stepped in, kind of in my place at my dad's company. That's and fantastic. And ultimately bought my dad out. Yes. So what was that like? Um, because, well, one, how did your dad get started in the in the monument business? Well, my grandparents started the business, yeah. and. Um, his dad died when he was four. Oh, wow. So my grandmother had several, and she ended up selling him his business right out of college in Canton. It was already up and going. and um, But he grew it from there. Yes, correct. Wow. That's fantastic. Yes. So what, what were the family dynamics like at gatherings with you and your brother almost in competition with each other? But you've told me before that you had some boundaries in place, yes, right? Yes, I mean, we've grown up, uh, I mean, lots of details, I mean, lots of conversations over, over dinner my whole life um and even afterwards when i had my own and they had theirs um we were never really competitors so 
we res- respected each other's businesses, and they was, the monument industry was always brought up at every conversation, pretty yeah. much. Um, but basically, just in general, we had a, a genuine respect for each other's businesses, and we actually tried to not sell in each other's areas. We didn't literally have boundaries drawn, but but somewhat. We tried to guide our customers to not buy from us if it went in their areas and vice versa. And we even respected each other enough to where, say they had a big stone that was too big. Well, my truck had a really big crane. I, you know, They could use my truck and crane to get something done. Or if I need one of their employees for a big job, uh, you know, we try to help each other and vice versa and, and that sort of thing. So that was never really an issue. Yeah, that mutual respect there is, is a key, though, if you're going to have family yes. also in the same industry with yep. you. Because I could imagine that getting real cutthroat at Thanksgiving dinner. Um, <laughs> no, it never really was. We, all, you guys work we all get along really great. Strict competitors, and, uh, yeah. In fact, uh, both of my daughters were up for homecoming uh, court this year, and I can only walk one. And so uh, my youngest one asked my brother to be her. Oh, okay. fantastic. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Close family. Well, and I kind of like how you went through the story there, just so our listeners can hear, you know, that are in business or maybe thinking about getting into business, the, you know, the 20-year story there of you really had to roll your sleeves up sometimes and say, hey, like, I've got to fight for my business for it to survive, and what is that going to look at? Like, I've got to make hard decisions. You probably don't want to buy two properties in Kosciuszko, uh, but, you know, for the businesses to see, that's something that had to happen, and uh, a lot of times in business, I think, a lot of people have this idea that I'm just going to put this location here and it's just going to be successful. But, that's, you know, that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah, usually when someone sees that location go in, they say, hey, well, that's a good idea. Why don't I do it? Yeah. And how do you fight against that and hedge against you know, the competition? It's a tough industry. Everything's heavy. Everything's expensive. You have to find cemeteries 200 miles away. And then when you get to the cemetery, you have to be able to find the grave. It's just a lot to it that people don't think about. And you don't see many... Yeah people in this industry and that's why it's hard and some cemeteries in mississippi you walk 20 miles through the woods and you come up on it correct (laughs) that's true true. (laughs) well i think it's a good time for a bourbon break absolutely penelope bourbon barrel strength i like it a lot tyler you were at 9.2 and i'm at a 9.4 yeah it's very good it's very good well johnny tell us a little bit about so the the monument industry um, I would imagine with cremation and things like that, have have you seen or have you seen an increased amount of people saying, "Hey, instead of me being buried and having a headstone, maybe there's more people being cremated now"? Or, or what, what does that look like? Yeah, there's definitely more and more people being cremated, but that doesn't really affect the monument business mm-hmm. any. Um, there's even now special monuments for cremains. Uh, there were the cremains either still go in the ground and you get a regular monument, or the, the cremains go inside the stone. Mm-hmm. So there's even monuments set up for that. So yeah. it really doesn't affect the monument industry, except for you know a regular burial. You have two people side by side, and the doubles go left and right. Mm-hmm. In the cremation world, typically both people get buried in the same grave, and so the monument goes up and down taller, but not really... Just the shape of the monument changes. That's about it. And as far as like, I mean, this I've never thought about this question until we're sitting here. <laughs> but from a graveyard perspective, like, 
are we running out of space? Like, how, how does, what does that look like? Uh, no, not that I know of. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, I, I imagine in big cities, like, I mean, obviously New Orleans and stuff, you see their graveyards, and it's like, I mean, they're stacked. There's new cemeteries stacked. starting constantly every day. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a great question, though, Tyler, because, you know, monuments weren't always a thing. There's always been some kind of something that people like to remember their loved ones with, like a, a cross or something, like a, a tree or something that they bury them by or something like that, like a, something that's going to last for a long time. But monuments, which are lasting very, very long times, I mean, that hasn't been around forever. So that, that was a good question. I've, I've thought about that before. Well, and I imagine now a lot of people may have monuments for their pets. Oh, they so, do. There's, even, there's even pet cemeteries, yes. Yeah. So. Oh, man, like the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we sold not we like sold monuments in the shape of bones and dogs and all kind of stuff. Wow. So y'all can custom make the shape of the monument oh, yes. as well. Oh yes, wow. Well, so tell us a little bit about so you you worked in that. Uh, what is the now that you're in the commercial lending space? Uh, what what is that? How are you able to help business owners now from your with your business perspective that you have? Well. So currently, I have two titles mm-hmm. at Priority One Bank. Um, one is development man- uh, business development manager and commercial lender. Mm-hmm. So basically, my job is to get individuals and businesses from dreams and aspirations to reality. Um, I do this by listening and trying to understand the business owner's vision, their challenges, and obviously their financial needs. Um, I also have to be aware of, you know, many industry, many different industry trends and regulations, and obviously the uh, objective of that business itself. Um, so a lot of the job is obviously about numbers, uh, but mainly, truthfully, it's really about fostering relationships. Um, I'd say communication is probably extremely important, probably the most important factor. Uh, You also have to be basically a risk manager doing this. Um, I have to be able to strike a balance between helping a business grow but also protecting my bank's assets at the same time. Um, uh, The understanding of risk assessment kind of helps me structure the deals so that it benefits both the borrower and my bank. Uh, That's kind of my my job in a nutshell. However, a a lot of it takes place over a breakfast or a nice lunch or even afternoon cocktails. And so it's fun. Uh, new people I'm getting to meet, and it's very fulfilling. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, that, and that's the thing we're all looking for, doing something that we feel like is making a difference and fulfilling. Um, I imagine the banking world, regulation-wise, has changed a lot in your 20-year absence, huh? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, everything, my prior job with Compass was paper and then files, and now it's obviously yeah. on computers and yeah. so forth. It's funny, my dad was a small business owner, had a furniture store in Lexington, Mississippi, for 30 years, and he always talked about, you know, in the beginning days, he, he would just call his banker up and say, hey, I'm doing this, and I'm like, yeah, go do it, we'll... We'll figure the paperwork out. Then towards the end, it got to be like, no, we're going to do the paperwork before we do that. That's right. There's do, a big, do that in there's a big cemetery in Lexington called Odd Fellows. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I bet you know cemeteries all over. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Um, so what was the, the – you talked a little bit about the competition locally. What's the competition nationally like for uh, the monument business? And then um, who were – I guess you can't really – maybe you can't say who, but did you have like – large clients that like were repeat clients with I guess bigger families I don't really know how that works so 
my market was rather large, probably. I mean, most families have one business in this one location. Yeah. So I was a little different expanding so with so many locations. Um, so like I said, my my locations were Carthage, Kosciuszko, Forest, Lewisville, DeKalb, Meridian, and a big display at a funeral home in Senatobia. Um Each location primarily sold in a radius of about an hour from each one. Um, and like I said, I was for the most part, I was the only business selling my product in like seven or eight counties. Um, the sales price, so I didn't have big clients. The, yeah. My customers were individual family members. Mm-hmm. I guess what you're looking for, so the sales price of most monuments, depending on if they're buying a single or a double, how big it was, the main factor probably being the color granite, the finish, which means how many sides are polished or rocked, and obviously the shape. And uh, I guess the, the price range for most of my sales were probably a thousand dollars to seventy five hundred mm-hmm. in the, in that range. Yeah. So, Johnny, if you could go back to twenty years before you you got into the monument business or before you started your own business, what's the lesson that you learned over time during that that you would tell your younger self? Um, well. Several, for sure, um, but one is, you're probably going to laugh at this, but my wife told me to read a book when we were first married, and I I just never had time and never did, but I wish I would have, and you're probably going to laugh when I tell you what it is. Um, so when I sold in 2022, I had time to read, exercise, enjoy the day, and I decided to read this book, and I've now read it twice, and I'm on my third time around and the book is How to Win Friends and Influence Others. Mm, Andrew Carnegie. Yes, and I tell you, um, it makes you kinder, friendlier, and when you're like that, it makes your day brighter. You have new friendships. Uh, I would recommend everybody reading that. Okay. And it, the book is 100 years old, mm-hmm. and it's a, it, it, but it's still true today. Everything in it that, that's said, it's, it, I, I would recommend everybody mm-hmm. reading that. Um, my wife actually gave me that book when we were dating. Hey, when I first got go. it, I was like, Is she trying to tell you something? What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> there you go. Yes. Um, another thing I would try to tell myself would be I don't have good patience on small things. Um, my wife, when she hears this, will attest to this. So I can't even go through a drive through restaurant, like a fast food restaurant. I would, I'll park my car, walk inside get napkins I need, hopefully run into somebody that I know. I just cannot sit in a car in a drive-thru. God didn't make me that way. And my kids get mad at me. I can't take stoplights. I'm really weird. God made me funny like that, but I just can't sit in a car and be still for long. But uh, So I would like to, to learn learn patience, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, nothing's worse than pulling up to a fast-food restaurant and seeing a line wrapped around the building. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, let's go on, drive on down the road here. Yeah. <laughs> and I did hear a couple of, uh, I did have a couple of quotes that I'd heard recently, and I think one of them was from, from this podcast, I think, and I, and it was I'm probably sure. me. Yeah, uh-huh. maybe you. Just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. I think it was Sonny Desai, but I'm not positive. And he said that would be more likely. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he said your success is directly correlated to the difficult conversations you're willing to have. That sounds like Sonny. And so I thought about that. And so when you have your email or text typed into your phone or a number dialed into your phone and you know it's going to be difficult on the other end, um, 
a difficult conversation or maybe a difficult response, you have to hit the the green call button and that arrow that says send because sometimes life-changing things are on the other side of that. If you mm-hmm. just have the guts and just hit send or hit go, uh, sometimes great things yeah. can happen, life-changing things, honestly. Well, and and it's, uh, like, it's like a muscle, you know. You, once you do that over time, you learn how to navigate those conversations and how to have them. Yep. They don't make them any more fun. That's right. But, you know, it's... It is the key to success. Though. You learn how to trust yourself more, too, yeah. and trust your instincts in those conversations for how you're going to respond. Because I used to, when I was young, I was a stockbroker, and I was trying to call people, cold call people, and I would have a script written out of like, okay, if they say yes to this question, how am I going to respond? If they say no, how am I going to respond? That's funny. And I was like, you just sound like a robot on the phone. You just got to trust your instincts and, and go with it. And like you said, Tyler, you'll grow that muscle, and you'll get better and better at it. Yeah, I mean, we all know how I do with scripts in here. Yeah. You've done well today. So tell us a little bit about uh, COVID. How's that? How has that affected your industry and your business? Um, so when COVID happened, that was the week after spring break. Um, I shut down completely for two weeks. Um, so obviously, all orders came to a halt. Um, however, shortly thereafter, we opened back up full steam ahead. And orders really started to come in fast. Uh, I mean, COVID changed everything. Uh, over the next two years, our orders, our company orders, were I'd say abundant. Um, I think at one point I had a little over fourteen hundred monuments on order at one time. Uh, oh and, and my main wholesaler told me that I was probably the largest family-owned dealership in the southeast. Um, it was really a great time for my company, but it came with good and bad. The good news was cash was plentiful. It was probably the most that I'd ever had in any account. Um, the bad news became the time frame to receive orders. You see, it wasn't just my business that was thriving. Every mining business across the country was just booming at its seams. And so that affected our industry as a whole, the, the manufacturers, uh Basically, the time frame from receiving orders went from about six weeks to, in some cases, even over a year. Wow. So, um, so especially on foreign granite mm-hmm. orders, um, I had stones coming from all over the world. Uh, the manufacturers and the factories were so much slower because they were having labor issues. Boats couldn't get through the port system. And uh, it was just honestly becoming a nightmare. Uh, but as time, as time went by... Uh, Customers began to see and understand the dynamics we were fa- we were facing, and uh, finally, you know, issues started to work themselves out, and uh, they started understanding the process just takes longer. But COVID changed everything yeah. in our industry. Yeah, and I think it's changed every industry, and it's just a testament that in business you have to be versatile and you have to be ready to make these changes, um, because they're going to come. Change is happening. Yes. Um, and so you better be ready for it. You better be, you have your business in a place that you are flexible enough that you can make those changes. I mean, it's adapt or fail. Yeah. Those are your choices, yeah. essentially. Exactly. You've seen it time and time again with, from anything from, you know, small mom and pops to super large companies. Correct. All right. Well, Johnny, we appreciate you coming on today. I uh, really enjoy it. We got a lot of great knowledge from yeah, this one. absolutely. And we always like to get, what's your thoughts on the bourbon today? I've never had this bourbon, uh, but I, I've taken several sips, and I really liked it. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yep. I think I'll get it again. Rating out of 10. What were y'all's ratings? Tyler was at a 9.2. I was at a 9.4. I, I would Definitely over 9. Uh, 
I really liked it. So and I you have to average these numbers in uh, after you give it. So yeah, they don't have to be keep accurate. that in mind. <laughs> I'd say at least nine four. Nine four. Nine four. Well, we'll give Solid. it a nine point three. Yep. And, and <clears throat> what's the name? Penelope. Penelope. So, uh, if you're looking for this bottle, check out Cheers Vineyard, and you can get it. And Johnny, also, we always like to take this time. I know that you're not in the monument business anymore, but so there's there's a lot of small business owners or people thinking about becoming business owners that listen to this. How can they get in touch with you? Maybe you can help them on the path to doing that with Priority One. Absolutely. I'll even be glad to give out my cell phone number. All right. So my cell is 601-613-0568. Let's make it ring. All right. There you have well, it. Sounds good. Well, to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in this week. Please go follow us on social media. And however you stream this podcast, would you please give us a rating? And we'll see you next week. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you have any feedback or would like to be featured, reach out to us at bourbonandbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram at bourbonandbusinesspodcast. Thanks again for listening. Follow us for more content and info on the next episode.